Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. The series about runaways, we've been talking about all of the different ways that we run away from things. Whether it's from uh, when we looked at the prodigal son, we talked about how we run away from pressure, that pride causes us to run away, um, that even uh, uh, pleasures cause us to, to run away. And we looked at, we've really been unpacking these different stories. We looked at the, the life of Moses and how God's calling on his life. There's this constant runaway moment with him. Um, and today, we're really going to be looking at the righteous runaway. Uh, almost like the right to run away, mm-hmm. the moment where you have every right to leave. Mm-hmm. And before we get started, I just want to say thank you, Crystal, Cynthia, Jarwin. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, hey, uh, 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 Nathan, glad you could be a part. Julian, um, I, I'm so glad for uh, all you guys joining in. And and, uh, and I see you there, Carlos. Uh, we're, we're so glad that you guys are a part of the Gravetop family. Um as we get started, we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about three specific things. One, we're gonna be talking about how toxic environments that have to be left. We're gonna talk about how uh, we're gonna talk about apologetic people with unchanged behaviors, and we're gonna talk about burned bridges of repaired relationships. And so you can tell that these uh, these points sound really creative, right? Mm-hmm, definitely. <laughs> um, and. Jumping into toxic environments that have to be left, I, we're going to really be fixated over the life of David. And I want us to just read some excerpts about David in two situations. And this is going to really give us a, a perspective about what kind of character J- David had um, and really give us a more in-depth look about the situation that he's in. So in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 45 through 51, this is actually when David goes to fight Goliath. He's known most, uh, most well known for defeating the, uh, the giant as a shepherd's boy. And in this uh, verse, he just got done saying how he defeated the lion, that he killed the, he killed the lion, he killed the bear, that he's fearless. And here it says, David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. Then I will give the dead... give." The dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. See, right there, that's a moment, like, that's a pump us up kind of verse, right? The, the battle is the Lord's. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Notice that he's running to Goliath. He's running to trouble. It says that he quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag, taking out a stone. He hurled it with a sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled off Goliath's sword from its sheath, And David used it to kill him and cut off his head. 
They don't really get that specific in kids' Bibles like that. There's no cool comic <laughs> part of that. When the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they turned and ran. And so there's a lot of running in this, this little excerpt. We see David running to the battle. We see all the Philistines running away after they realize that David has God behind him. And there's actually so many great um, aspects and perspectives and lessons that we can get just from this verse. But I wanted us to see what kind of person David was like. This is before he was known as a, a warrior. This is his first battle with another warrior, another soldier. And he's triumphant. And we see so much courage, so much boldness. I mean, just real valor being exuded in David here. So, and complete trust in God. I mean, he was literally looking at death in the face and saying, I'm not scared of you. And then when we go just two chapters later in 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 8 through 10, Saul was king at the time. And it says, war broke out again after that. And David led his troops against the Philistines. He attacked them with such fury that they all ran away. Notice, everyone's running away from David. But one day, when Saul was sitting at home, with spear in hand, the tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him again. And as David played his harp, Saul hurled his spear at David. But David dodged out of the way, and leaving the spear stuck in the wall, he fled and escaped into the night. What's really interesting about this story is that in between these two chapters, it says that King Saul got intensely jealous of David. That he, he start, before anything was really happening, he started imagining in his head that David's going to become king over me. And, and it, the way that he imagined it is that David was going to betray him. And so his, his insecurities and his jealousy literally led him into a place of complete division against somebody that was totally loyal to him. Mm. But right here, what I want to point out is that here is Saul, who can't even throw a spear that good, <laughs> and David is running away from him. David faced the giant, an experienced warrior that no other warrior at the time would battle. He just got done from a... a a war, a battle with all the Philistines that made, and he made literally all the soldiers leave because they knew how prominent David was. They would sing songs that Saul's killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. He's an incredible warrior. Saul can barely throw a spear. And yet David escapes through the night. And this is the moment where David starts his runaway experience. This is the first time that we see David running away from a battle, mm -hmm. running away from a fight. And it's because there's times where the best thing for you to do is actually to leave a situation altogether. It has nothing to do with being strong, with making a point, being courageous. It just has to do with it not being good for you. Good. And in this situation for David, he knew that he could not change it without breaking his integrity. He had a strong integrity and respect for the position of king of Israel. And it was against his integrity to attack the king who he believed God's anointed, God anointed to be king. And that, that 
this is speaking so much volume to where he was put in a position to where he could have killed Saul. And when you look at so many different stories, uh, uh, continue on in this story, he had all the ability and even opportunity to do it, but because it was against his integrity, he wasn't willing to do it. And he knew that nothing was going to change in his situation, and so he made the decision to leave. Mm-hmm. I want us to really think about this and ask ourselves, what is the Saul situation you need to run away from? What is a Saul situation that you need to run away from or some, a time where you had to run away before? As Christians, I feel like we have so many confusing moments in our walk with Christ. And one of them is this idea that we have to just stay and take it. That even in a toxic environment, that it's our job as Christians to be a light in the darkness. Be that that is true in some instances, there are often times where just like David, a, a place is just so toxic of an environment for us to be where the best solution for us is to literally run away from that environment. And now I want to be clear that when I say toxic environments, I'm not talking about simple disagreements. I'm talking about a very uh, a, a, places that are completely draining to the health of your life and mind. I'm talking about intense, toxic situations, spears being thrown at you. And I want to also be clear that I'm not talking about if you're in a marriage and all of a sudden you're fantasizing about the idea of divorce, this is not confirmation for you to get a divorce because you're not getting along with your spouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm talking about uh, situations beyond that. Um, and the, and if it goes into to times where uh, divorce, I want to be clear that I'm, I'm rarely, rarely, uh, I'm really not an advocate of a divorce almost ever. But when there's like an intense physical abuse or, um, or a, like the Bible says adultery, those are, those are like exceptions. But when it's just like, man, I hate this person I used to love. I really, I've seen crazy redemption stories. Mm-hmm. So even though it's super toxic, there's redemption st- possible. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I want us to look at workplaces, other relationships. If you're not married and you're with somebody and it's toxic, I'm talking about friendships, friends, groups of friends, even uh, uh, like um, community groups that you're part of, even church. These are all possible toxic places that drain you mentally, physically, spiritually. And they, they're just... It's not just about leaving the place. It's about finding a new one, going to where you're celebrated rather than tolerated. And I feel like even for, for our story, there's been times in our lives where we really struggled with this idea of having a righteous exit, mm-hmm. of having a, a right, uh, the right to leave somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so, as Christians, we go through this back and forth in our minds so much Wondering, like, like, is it Scott? Are you really? Am I allowed to go? Is it right for me to go? Do I just need to toughen it, toughen it, tough it out? Do Do I need to just keep praying? And guys, we do need to pray. We need to ask God for guidance. But we do. When it comes to the point where we're really leaning towards this decision to where we need to leave this toxic environment, I mean, go about it factually. List out the why. List out the reasons and. 
and call it out for what it is. And if there, if it's just disagreements, then we need to confront some things. But if it's a really toxic place to where it's like, man, this is freaking crazy, you need to get out of there. Mm-hmm. Because it, it took, what, three times that Saul threw a spear at David until he finally was like, I don't think he's going to miss next time. <laughs> and how much longer is it going to take you to the point where, what if you're in this toxic environment? Maybe you're not getting spears thrown at you, but you're getting treated so badly to where all of a sudden you're having thoughts of suicide because the, the anxiety is just getting so much. I mean, that's a place to where you need to really get out of there before it takes your life. And these are serious, serious situations. I want you to also think about friendships. When I first gave my life to Christ, the, the friendship circles that I had were completely different than my newfound faith in Christ. And it, there was a day where I kept trying to live in this toxic environment of friendships to the point where uh, even though I had stopped doing drugs and I had stopped drinking and I wanted, I was, I mean, I'm talking about alcoholism, drug addiction, and the friends I thought I had, even though I made a decision to stop things that were unhealthy for me, were trying to force me to continue in things that I recognize as being unhealthy for me. To the point of holding me down, putting bottles to my lips, joints to my mouth, and trying to force me to do something I didn't want to do. That is a toxic environment that you need to leave. Maybe people aren't holding you down, but they are just nagging you constantly to do something you don't want to do. That's a toxic environment that you need to run away from. And it is a righteous thing to do. Let me reiterate that... David found new people that celebrated him instead of tolerated him. And I want to make it clear that we're just not abandoning and going into isolation, but that we are finding the the peace that we were missing, that we were finding the, the thing that was healthy for us. We're going into the right puzzle piece instead of trying to be jammed into the wrong puzzle. It it's all uh, it's not about it this is there's this is not about making a stand of trying to be right, about trying to be strong, making a point. It's not about being courageous. It's about doing what's simply good for you, what's healthy for you. Lauren, what do you have to say about this topic of toxic environments that have to be left? Mm-hmm. Um, I think of another story in the Bible that came to mind about um, Jacob and Laban. He mm. Jacob, um, he it's, it's a long story, but it's a really good story. And he ended up working for his uncle Laban for years, 14 plus, if I'm right. Yeah, you are and correct. Homer will correct me on all the little um, details that I'll probably miss, but I'll give you the general summary of the story. But So he worked for this man faithfully for 14 plus years. He worked and tended all of his, his fields and his uh, livestock and all that kind of stuff faithfully. And a couple things about that story is I don't think he got paid or if he did, it was very little, right? It was nothing compared to what he was supposed to. Right. Right. Changes wages several, uh, seven times. Yeah. So is it, is, I don't know if y'all have ever worked for maybe a boss like that or anything and how much more family members, that's always tough, mm-hmm. right? But the work environment that he lived in um, with his uncle was very manipulative, was very, he was cheated. He, he was, just like Homer said, they changed his wages over and over and gave him less and less when he was doing 
everything. He was that all-star player. He was that, you know, that MVP. Like, he was the guy, but yet Laban, his uncle, did not appreciate him, did not give him what he could have. And also, he promised him that he desired one of his daughters, and it was Rachel, right? Got it. And she was beautiful and all this stuff. But long story short, he desired to marry her. And so the uncle said, okay, yeah, cool. Well, how about this? Um, uh, you work for me for seven years and then I'll give her to you. Seven years, like that's hardcore. Like that's a long time. And he said, okay, he did it because he desired to marry her that much. And so he worked for seven years. The day came and he ended up tricking him woke up in the morning and was the other sister, Leah. So he tricked him. I mean, that's tough. And it, it's, like I said, a longer story. But basically what happened, he says, no, like, I want Rachel. He said, okay, cool. We'll work for me for another seven years, and then you'll get Rachel. And it was yeah. because, you know, they had to marry the first daughter first, the oldest, and all that stuff. It was all complicated. But at the end of the day, he really was cheated. And at closer to the end of the story, the point of why I'm even bringing the story up is because God saw the faithfulness of Jacob. He saw his heart. He saw his hard work. He saw how he was mistreated. He saw um, just the unfair treatment. And he also saw how loyal he still was and respectful to Laban regardless. And, you know, something I noticed earlier with David's story and with Jacob's story is that it says that David ran away. And for Jacob, he just continued to do what was right. Both of them had every right to retaliate. Both of them had every right to come back and get revenge and backtalk and disrespect and break that loyalty and, and really bring, sock it to them, you know, stick it to the man. Like they had every right and were justified to throw their hands up, to make a big show, to throw everything they've ever done for that person in their face, you know, really flip them the bird and leave. But they they did not. Why? Because they had a, the character of God in their heart. They decided to do what was right, decided to, to hold their integrity and continue to do what was right as they trusted God to deliver them, as they trusted God to defend them. And so at the end of the story, God literally spoke to Jacob in a dream, um, or he spoke to him somehow. And I think it was in a dream where he just simply spoke to him and said, it's time to leave. He literally told Jacob, it is time to leave. And he said, on your way out, I will bless you. Like, and so what I thought of is there's going to even be times where we're afraid as Christians, like I shouldn't ever leave. Like I need to stay and stick here, even though they treat me like crap, like I just need to. But God, sometimes he, he, he will tell you to leave unhealthy situations and on your way out, he will bless you. Like, like God has his way of doing things, you know, and, and he, he's the one who's like the true defender. He's the one who truly sees our hearts and everything that we've done and been through. And he will get a, our back. But if we try to do it in our own strength and own retaliation and crazy, like we want to get crazy with it, like then we kind of leave no room for God to do like the miraculous, you know, and, and really show us his goodness in our life. So I guess my point with that is even in that story, like God said, leave and it's okay and I will bless you. And there are certain situations in our life where that applies. Not every situation, like, oh, God told me to leave, like, so I'm just going to peace out, like, you know. No, you obviously know what those situations are, but God will, will lead you as well and guide you. And so that's um, kind of what came to mind. Yeah, and, and I really liked uh, your comparison to the workplace um, with Jacob's story. And 
a lot of times, guys, you, you are at a workplace that is just really killing you. And it's not that they're, uh, it, I'm not talking about like, well, they ask me to do things that aren't in my job description <laughs> and I don't want to do those things. I'm talking about like you are, are heavily criticized. You're, you're threatened to be fired all the time, even though you didn't do anything wrong. I'm talking about manipulative bosses and managers, places that are just like where you go home at night and you just are like, you hate the thought of going to work the next day because of how you're treated badly. Again, I'm not talking about like pettiness. I'm talking about like, pure unhealthy toxic environment and you know just knowing that there are points where like god is telling us to leave sometimes i want you to pray and think deeply about those those uh what that is for you um because it's not just flippant it's serious and there are times where god tells us to stay in places to be a light in the darkness Mm -hmm. but there's also times where like paul when he was being uh, there's a time where he was being persecuted and they made plans to kill him. And instead of just saying, well, if that's God's will, then it's God's will. No, it said that he went out through a window and was loaded in a basket so that he wouldn't be killed. Mm-hmm. Even Jesus, when it's, there's times where they were going to set out to kill him and he avoided that town. And so don't think that your job is always to be a martyr. Mm-hmm. Jesus avoided being killed. Paul avoided being killed. And there's times where you just need to run away from things. And again, it's not out of fear. It's out of a strong decision like, this is not good for me. Mm-hmm. Going on to our next point, which is apologetic people with unchanged behaviors. Oftentimes, when you go through this processes of exiting a place, there are right ways to exit and there are wrong ways to exit. Lauren was even touching on this uh, to where Jacob, instead of just um, you know making this big scene, being uh, throwing everything in his face, going and trash talking, and going burn down the farm before mm-hmm. he left, you know, there's a wrong way to exit. There's a right way to exit, and I believe that times where you know that you need to exit is times where you know that if you could if you could think to yourself, if I stay here, I'm going to break my integrity in some way, then that's the time where you need to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, David, if Saul kept attacking David, uh, David would have eventually had to defend himself and he would have killed the king against his integrity. He didn't want to do that. Uh, when you think about Joseph, he was in an environment where this uh, Potiphar's wife kept coming on to him to where he knew if I stay here, I'm going to fall into sin and commit adultery with this, this lady that I don't want to sleep with. But she keeps, it, it doesn't say that she looked bad or anything. It said that he wanted to keep his integrity, and he had to run away from that situation. Mm-hmm. So think about, is this going to compromise in my integrity eventually? Do I feel my strength wearing down? And when we follow this story, we actually see in chapters of 1 Samuel, like 20, chapter 24 and 26, to where Saul is apologetic towards David and admits that he was wrong. He literally says... I know that God has made you king. When you do become king, have mercy on my descendants. Promise me that you won't kill him. It, I, I've done, I am the wrong one here. I mean, it's totally apologetic in chapter 24. And in chapter 26, he goes after to kill David again. Mm-hmm. And there's, it, when you read this story, it's like over and over, you're like, oh man, like it all worked out. Wait a minute, why is he going after him again? And what we see is that often people feel apologetic. That's, it's actually common 
for people to feel sorry for what they did. But rarely do the behaviors actually change. Rarely do the behaviors that they're apologetic for actually change. And I want you to think about how difficult it is just to start a new habit, like flossing. I mean, there was a time where if I was asked by a dentist, how often do I floss? I would be able to say, you should know you were there. <laughs> Last year, when you flossed my teeth, <laughs> blood everywhere. Oh my gosh. But it, and when I get into this habit of flossing regularly, I, I can floss like four times a week, maybe more. But like even just doing it every single day, it's like, it's hard. I mean, it's difficult to start just a simple new habit of hygiene, mm -hmm. let alone changing a behavior that is innate in your character and like your being. I mean, at the end of the day, these behaviors are deep within a person's personhood. It's who they are. They're not just, it's not that they're just feeling like a jerk that day. They are like real jerks. <laughs> Like that's part of their personality that they are, that they believe at the time. And this is more about when it comes to uh, this subject, it's more about us adjusting our expectations of that person, of us stewarding our trust better and about us guarding our hearts. The proverb says to guard your hearts above all things. And when it comes about stewardship, about where we place our trust, I believe that everyone deserves extended trust, that people shouldn't have to earn trust. But I, I do believe that once trust is broken, then it has to be earned back. Mm -hmm. And we, the best thing for a relationship that has been broken, that you had to leave, even when people are apologetic, you have to understand that you're that even though that is nice and appreciative, it does not mean that the behavior is going to change. It it really doesn't. And the best thing for that relationship is actually boundaries, honest confrontations, and these two things are the healthiest things that it needs. If it needs to be repaired, you can have forgiveness without repairing a relationship. If you do not desire that person to be punished by God for what they did to you, you've forgiven them. If you could pray for God to even like keep them healthy, man, that's great forgiveness. But you do not have to re-engage in that relationship. It, it does. Some relationships are are okay just being cut off and forgiven. But the ones that, like, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to the times where there's opportunity for it to be repaired, and it it it's either a a, a good need, like it's a family member or something like that, um, or a close old friend, and you like you, there's just deep care, there's history or love there, that is beyond just I was I was they were my girlfriend or boyfriend for so many years and I want to repair it. Like sometimes that just need it's just like you got to cash in your chips and let it go. Yeah. Like but in the in the relationships that need to be repair, repaired, boundaries and honest confrontation are the best things to to repair what has been broken. 
Boundaries meaning that you, we do no longer have the same kind of relationship we used to have. We cannot just pick up where we left off. That was broken when this happened, when you did this, X, Y, Z, when you threw a spear at me. I no longer trust going into your living room. Mm-hmm. I, I will not go there alone again. Y'all get what I'm saying? And honest confrontation, What Jesus tells us to confront one another. And that it is a healthy thing to do as Christians. What do we as Christians rather do? Just talk about it. Talk about it with everybody else and their mother, except for the person we have the confrontation, that we need to have the confrontation with. We just go into gossip because it's a lot easier than actually confronting the person. Mm-hmm. Strong integrity, real loyalty, real uh, character addresses the person mano a mano rather than just complaining about them about, with everybody else. And when that confrontation is, uh, what that confrontation is, is like, hey, we're trying to make this work again, but you did this or you said this and that's not okay. You, we cannot move forward if this is going to continue to happen. You can't keep throwing spears at me. It's not going to work. And and there's times where that dialogue happens and it's like, okay, like we can move forward past this. But there's other times where that those boundaries just are going to have to stay extended. It's like, that is your land and this is my land. Mm-hmm. And we can talk on the phone. You know what I mean? And it that is okay. And sometimes that's the healthiest way you can you can have it. And it is not wrong. You don't have to feel guilty about that because God cares about your health. He cares about your mental state. I mean, there's a lot of Christians that commit suicide because they feel like they have to be in these damaging, toxic environments when they really don't have to be. It, it, you, just, you just can't stand it anymore. You need to leave instead of taking your life. I mean, this is real serious stuff. And... and when it comes to how I said adjusting our expectations, I've said this a thousand times, maybe not a thousand, but a lot of times, that this is something my dad taught me, and it's this idea that Joe is going to be Joe. No offense to anybody named Joe. It's not any Joe in particular, but this idea that Joe is going to just be Joe, and it's that that's how Joe is. That's how Joe's always going to be. You just can't change Joe, and Joe can even sometimes feel sorry about being mean old Joe. But Joe is still Joe. Y'all get what I mean? Mm -hmm. And there's nothing you can do to change Joe. And don't go back to broken places on trust alone. Don't just try to trust where you pick off. You, You need consistent, changed actions and behaviors that are seen and shown over an elongated time. Otherwise, you're probably gonna get a spear thrown at you again it's just really about using wisdom through forgiveness. Not, don't allow yourself to be naive out of this misplaced idea of compassion. You, pray for that person if you feel bad for them, for, for pushing everybody away. But you do not have to suffer, be the one to have spears thrown at you all the time because you feel bad for that. That's, everyone is an adult and has to, take, has to answer to God and really just deal with stuff and you cannot be the the crossfire for someone's immaturity or lack of uh lack of hinged behavior i i know that we kind of went a lot a lot on this topic but lauren what do you think about this idea of apologetic people with unchanged behavior this idea about keeping boundaries and having honest confrontations 
distance, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that um, it's like as Christians, I feel like we're so afraid of confrontation. Mm-hmm. Um, we're so afraid of the thought of confronting. We're so afraid of just confronting, which is why, it, just like you said, like it often leads to just gossip. And when you, you know, fall into that trap of just gossiping about this person or people that frustrate you, that offend you, that hurt you, that are throwing spears at you, it makes you feel really ugly. Like it just really, you feel it in your heart, just festering and it only grows uglier and bigger. And I think there's so much power in having confrontational conversations with these people or whoever that is. And I, you know, it's just simply not easy. And I feel like for me at the beginning of my walk, I definitely wasn't confrontational in my opinion and I was so timid and afraid to ever confront anybody in a sense because I didn't want to hurt them. I didn't want to step on their toes. I didn't want to offend them. I just wanted to take one for the team. You know, just like, oh, well, I just, you know, I love them. I don't want like any like I don't want yeah. them to ever feel bad even though they're they're throwing spears at me, you know? Yeah. But I felt like God really taught me that as a Christian, it is okay. But there's a way to do it. It's You don't just confront people all big, bad, and, you know, just like, you know, I don't know, just thinking you're all that in a bag of chips and just like, hey, what's up? Like, you talking like that? Like, you can't talk to me like that? Like, let's go. Like, yeah. no, it's not confrontation like let's, you know, get in a fight. It's confrontation. The Bible talks about uh, being gentle and humble. You yeah. know, it, it talks about the way that we do things. So when you know, when and if you feel like it's time to confront certain situations or people that, yes, maybe have apologized, but things are not changing, but yet, you know, maybe it's a close relative, like you're going to see them the rest of your life. Confrontation is important, but the way you do it is that much more important as well. Come with the gentle and humble attitude. Don't come, you know, you might need time, you know, give yourself time to get it together. Don't go when you're angry. Don't go when you're overly emotional because then everything's just going to spill out and go somewhere you probably don't want it to go. Take time and confront and God will be there with you. God will help you. You know, he will give you that peace and calm you down, but it is, it's life giving. It really makes a difference instead of gossiping about it. Talk to that person. Now, how that person reacts or handles it or or decides to to go about that conversation, that's not what you're in control of. Well, let's, let's hope it goes well. And the Bible even talks about, like, if you have something against another brother, go and talk to them. Yeah. You know, go and confront them. And and um, But you're not responsible for how they react. So just leave that alone and do your part and hope for the best in a sense, you know. And, and even with boundaries, I feel like it's the same concept, you know building boundaries with people um, that you've had this kind of relationship with is also hard. You feel bad, like, oh, I feel bad, like they need me, or like, you know, we're so close and I don't want them to feel lonely, or I don't want, you know, we're like, I think that I'm all that they have, or, you know, in those kind of words or verbiages, like, sometimes you feel like that, but at the end of the day, like, God is God for them, You know, you can't be that for them. And boundaries not only protect you, which it's okay to protect yourself. You can't believe the lie that you should just, like, have a, you know, don't even have your bulletproof vest on. Like, you're just, like, taking it all, you know. The Bible even says, like, hold up the shield of faith, you know, that stops the fiery darts of the enemy. Like, the enemy is constantly throwing stuff at you. You have to hold it up, and you have to protect yourself. And that is in a form of having boundaries with people. 
And if they get mad and, and, and reject it and, and say, why are you doing this? Well, you need to stand your ground and not give in, yeah. you know, because it's not only protecting you, but it is actually life-giving to that relationship and what it could be if you begin to Im- implement these things. But again, Joe might just be Joe forever. Yeah. But, you know, don't lose faith in, in the miraculous, but also be wise, you know, in how we deal with these things. And so that's what I think about. Yeah, and, and I really like the direction that you were uh, explaining too. And it's the idea that even punching bags burst over time. Mm-hmm. And if you try to allow yourself to just be the punching bag for somebody, one day you're going to bust. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to also say that I want to also say that, you know, when it, when it comes to this, this exchange between you and maybe it's a workplace that is asking you to come back, but you, you had a horrible experience and you're like, they offered me something that I want, but I don't know if I can go back to this toxic environment. And they're saying, no, we changed staff. We have a new HR, we have a new manager, whatever. And you're trying to decide, I mean, you, you really, uh, whether it's that or relationship, whatever it is, I want us to think about some, some key words to either look out for or avoid yourself. Um, like what Lauren was saying, when you're con- confronting somebody, it's not about you being able to just say whatever the hell you want. <laughs> that is not right. That is not okay to just treat somebody like crap because of your history. Mm. And something to avoid. I'm going to just be real. Mm. That's probably, if anyone ever tells you that, that means that they had a bad day and they're going to let it out on you. (laughs) And, or they just feel really strongly about their opinions and they're going to share it with you. (laughs) And it's going to usually just be like hammer over your head. If you're, if that's what you're thinking in your mind, I want you to slow down and just like really reflect, say, this is just, God didn't tell me, uh, the devil never told me to give anything except a piece of my mind. <laughs> and when it comes to giving your piece of your mind and just being real, it's often not out of great character. And the other thing to, to look out for when you're really trying to diagnose is, uh, I, I also don't want to project of just like pushing people away that are trying. Yeah. Like, uh, again, I'm saying that oftentimes people do not change their behavior. But there are times where people are really trying. I mean, this is something that they live their whole life being this way. And when they're trying, I don't want you to be so quick to just like, no, Pastor Homa said to just push you away, (laughs) go to hell. No. A word to look out for is when someone literally tells you, look, I'm really trying. That is a a really clear sign that someone is apologetic and they are trying to make a change in their behavior to mend the relationship. And so I hope that those two sayings help in the idea of confronting. And it really segues us into our last point, which is burned bridges of repaired relationships. And I want us to look at the, uh, this idea of the bridges that we've burned through this process of running away. I'm talking about the ones that we burned that were that were like I'm not talking about uh, the the people that we're trying to reconnect with. I'm not talking about the boundaries. I'm talking about the places that we left, and it was good that we left. And I want us to look at David. It says that he went from the palace to living in caves. I mean, that's a huge difference. And when you're living in the caves, 
it sometimes can make you reimagine the spears of the palace. It that really the, the it's a lot. It's very difficult, even though moving on from where you were is super incredibly difficult, and it's very hard to make adjust uh, adjustments to a new environment. Some places are just never a good place to go back to. It is difficult going through the wilderness. It's difficult living in the cave. It's hard changing environments. It's the hardest thing you can do. And when you're going through that process, it's really easy to reimagine what the palace was like. Mm-hmm. And you start thinking, oh, well, you know, it, well, maybe it wasn't that bad. Was I overreacting? Mm-hmm. And and it's just like even Israel, when they left Egypt and they were going through the wilderness, complete change of environment. They were enslaved and beaten on the regular. They were mistreated on purpose. They were given less to where they couldn't even perform their duties well, and then they were punished for something that wasn't their fault. I mean, they were very, very abused in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And yet, when they were in the wilderness, they told Moses, wouldn't it have been better for us to be back in Egypt? And it's, it's not even that it was better. It's just what they knew. Yeah. And the palace sometimes becomes so familiar. That, old, that workplace, we just have always been there. That church, we've just always been there. Even though everyone talks bad about me behind my back, no one really cares about me. Uh, uh, even though I've just always been here, it doesn't, uh, it, sometimes it's still just a place that you need to leave and not go back to. It's hard finding a new one. Mm-hmm. It's hard finding a new friend group. I mean, when I left that friend group I was telling you guys about, before I thought we were ride or die. And then when I realized that once I stopped doing drugs, it was just like, you dead to me. <laughs> and there was no relationship there. It was so hard to move on to find relationships that uh, to equate all the history that I built with somebody else. Mm-hmm with relationships you're trying to find your spouse and you've been with that person three years five years whatever and you realize that man this relationship even though we have a lot of history is super toxic and i need to leave it gets lonely and you feel like oh man i can't there's no one else out there maybe i should go back Mm. to this abusive toxic relationship remember you left for a reason it you just need to wait in the cave as long as you need to wait because you're going to be able to go back to a new palace. And that, that toxicity isn't going to be there. Those burned bridges need to stay burnt. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. What do you think about what I'm uh, elaborating on, Lauren? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's very true. And sometimes, you know, like we're trying to do the right thing. We think, like, oh, we, you know, we can't just burn it like that. That's the wrong thing to do. But, you know, there, there's so much truth in that. And, for example, like, those different examples you gave of leaving and then looking back and wanting to go back. But even, you know, these toxic, even a, a physically abusive relationships, mm. you know, uh, you know, there's so many times that you may have heard of a relationship like that. And the woman, unless it was a man, but, you know, more commonly, sometimes it's women. Statistically, and, yeah. and you get so frustrated with that friend, for example, like, why are you going back? Is it not completely 100% obvious that this is toxic? But why do they keep going back? Because even though they want desperately to be released from that slavery, from that very toxic relationship, there's some out some comfort that they find 
in the past that they find in this toxic relationship. And, and what is familiar. that? Yeah, and it's because it's familiar. It's because it's something they once knew. It's because they had some kind of intimacy with this person. They had they they knew this person at a deeper level. You know, it's because they had maybe financial security, a home with them, a family. I don't know what it is, um, but that's just one example. But so many times we settle for the comfort in that little inkling that we that we that that hole in our heart that we need to be filled with comfort instead of realizing that once we leave that and look before us that instead of comfort we're looking for life you know there is life before you not death and toxic relationships and toxins environments that only leads to death in a sense not always literal but like a death to your mind your soul your heart it weighs you down and it and it depletes you but when you realize i rather have a life-giving future you know with christ and all that he has for me rather than that 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 instant gratification of comfort you know and you know it just it just there's another thought i had but um it just really it we have to remember that there is so much more in it. and it makes me think of this funny meme you've probably seen on facebook multiple times um of jesus you know bending down to a little girl and she's crying because he took away her little teddy bear but behind his back he had a huge teddy wow. bear you know and it's a silly meme but it's actually really true because so many times we think oh god's taken away this relationship or this or this and we see it as god taking it away but he knows what's best for us. And when we release what's toxic and what's not life-giving, even over to God and surrendering it to him, he gives you so much more, so much more than you thought you were going to get, so much more than you even thought you deserved. Like God goes above and beyond your expectations, your desires, your wildest dreams, but you have to release what's toxic in order to receive the life-giving relationships and and things that God wants to give you just like that meme, you know? And so, um, it, that's what it makes me think of. Yeah. He has good things for us and, and, um, it's important to just really trust. I think I went a little off topic, but that's what I think about it. No, it's really powerful. Uh, you know, this lot and the, the last point we talked about the times where like those things can be repaired here. We're really talking about where you just, the moment where you're wondering, should I go back? Yeah. And it's just like blatant. no, don't go back. There, there is still, there's more life. Just hold on. I mean, think about how even when Saul apologized to David, David didn't go back to the palace. He stayed living in the caves because he knew that that bridge needed to stay burned. Mm. And uh, I want to just say, like, the thing that makes you, the thing that usually leads us to that, that mentality of like, well, maybe I should go back is often a place of fear that we can't find something better. And when it, when, it, when it's a relationship, it's this idea like, well, who else is going to love me even that much, even though it's abusive or toxic? Who else is going to love me? Um, how I'm going to be alone forever. Or if it's a workplace, this thought like, how am I ever going to find another job that pays this much mm-hmm. that I can have financial security, but I'm treated so badly to where it's driving me crazy? Like it's it's a toxic work environment, and I'm scared that I'm not going to be able to find any uh, better place. Or I just really hate my job. I do this. Is, I do not love it. I feel so unfulfilled, and the fear, like, well, how am I going to find anything else? You know, that we should not be motivated by fear, and we shouldn't be motivated by even like the the gambling mindset of history, 
to where we think, well, I've already been at this job for five years. I can't leave now. Look, that it, it, gam, every gambler knows that there's a point where you have to just cut your losses and leave the casino. <laughs> and it's the same for a workplace. It's the same for a relationship. Well, I've been with them for four or five years. I, I, how am I going to uh, be with someone else that long? We already have so much history, even though I hate it. Do cash in your chips. Take your losses. Because if you stay, you're only going to lose more. And then, you're not married. If you're not married. Yeah. Um, and so I hope that this idea about burn bridges really makes sense. I hope this whole topic about the righteous runaway moments, the, the right to leave, really is clear, comprehensible. And the, the heart of this message is to put, to equip us as Christians to have a backbone to know that, th- that is, there's times where it is a strength to leave an unhealthy environment, that there is a strength to leave these toxic environments. David killed Goliath but ran away from Saul. Mm-hmm. David, uh, Goliath was an experienced soldier. Saul couldn't even throw a spear right. <laughs> but it's because of, there's times where it's not about fighting it, proving a point. It's really just about leaving it doesn't mean you're less of a person. It doesn't mean you're weak. It just means that you, that it is not good for you to be there and it would be better for you to leave. Mm-hmm. We need to diagnose those moments. And as Christians, I really feel like we can find so much more health spiritually and even glorify God through this when we do it right with integrity and character like we talked about today. Yeah. Um, any last closing thoughts on this, Lauren, before we close out? I mean... Honestly, at this point, I not necessarily, um, but I just, I think it was just a really good perspective of looking at runaway in a positive way, you know, yeah. so many times we hear that and it's always negative, but there is a time to, you know, run away from something, but there's a right way to do it and yeah. there's a positive reason behind it and God in those times will guide you, you know, just allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and give you guidance and God is always looking out for the best for you. And there's even a scripture that says that he will lead you along paths that are good for you, you know. And sometimes those paths are different than where you're at right now. Maybe there's a time where we have to leave certain situations yeah. for the better. And so, um, yeah, but I really enjoyed this this message and this perspective on runaways and, and this story. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing, Homer. <laughs> yeah, of course, anytime. <laughs> you know, with that being said... I hope that today was edifying to you, that it ministered your heart, that it increased your faith. And if at any point you realize that that the runaway that you need to have is running away from the life you're living right now, and you need to run towards God, you need to run towards Jesus, and you need to leave the toxic way that you've been living, you need to leave the, the, the toxic people, whatever it is, but you know that you just need to run to Jesus if that's you, all you have to do to start is make a prayer to God. What it really is is a conversation saying, Jesus, I believe you are who you said you are, that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose from the dead. And it says if you believe that and say it out loud, that that's all it takes to start this walk with God. And then it's this, it, you're beginning a journey to where you're getting to know God as He knows you, and the more that we know him, the more that we show him. Mm. And it is such a powerful thing to do this while walking with a, a community. That's what church is for. And we love to be that community for you. 
And so if that is you and you do want to do that today, can you please just message us so that we can pray with you, talk with you, and just cheer you on as you start this new journey with Christ. Um, all that being said, we're going to sign off and we are going to do our Zoom small groups today, our very first time online. And all you have to do uh, is if you are interested in being a part of our small groups, we're really going to just get feedback, uh, talk with one another, communicate. If you want to be a part of that, just send us a message and we will send you the 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 meeting ID for the Zoom groups. We'll send you the link so that you can join. Um, but with all that being said, we love y'all so much. Y'all are amazing. We hope that y'all have a great rest of your day. And those of y'all that are going to be here tomorrow at 6 o'clock for our in, our first in-person meeting since, uh, since all of this has started, um, it's going to be tomorrow at 6. If you need the address, just message us, and we'd love for you to be a part. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.